Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. It's time to start nominating. The Godolphin Stud and Stable Staff Awards are back. And your nominations are needed in all six categories before the prestigious Employee of the Year Award can be decided. In these difficult times, it's more important than ever to recognise the hard work and dedication of the unsung heroes of the racing world. A nomination is your chance to acknowledge the gargantuan effort that the army of stud and stable staff put in every day of the year. There's a fantastic prize fund up for grabs, so nominate now. Go to studandstablestaffawards.co.uk before the 10th of November to make your nomination and make someone's day. Welcome along to our weekend preview on the final Furlong podcast. I'm your host, Emmett Kennedy, alongside from the Irish field, the leader of the Racing Post Naps table, Mr. Rory Delargy. Not the leader of the Racing Post, bottom of the Racing Post Naps table. That's last week's news. I'm the Racing Post champion tipster. Yes! <laughs> Let's have it. Let's hear it from the audience. Brilliant. Oh my goodness. It's done. It's over. It's done. Rory is a champion. It can never be taken away from him. Champion of the naps table, sir. Well done. Thank you, Squire. Just how pleased. Yeah, especially with the pressure I was adding onto you. Just how pleased are you that it's now that you're over the line and that it's done and that you've got the gravy? That is a very interesting question. Um. (laughs) <laughs> it, normally they do a little bit of a, um, a bit of a ceremony and present the, 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 the first three with varying checks and they have a little little photo opportunity but obviously in in, uh, in COVID days that's not going to be the case so I just got a very terse email from the Racing Post saying dear Simon Clara this is your job now we're done with them and that was it that was it. and then um, and I'm now I'm now waiting for a reply from Simon Clara which which has yet to come um, but I, I assume Mr. Clare is having a holiday um, and is not simply uh, refusing to read his emails in case he has to fork out £6,000 to several people. Uh, but, yeah, that should be that should be grand. Yeah, it was, the pressure was kind of off w- w- the best part of a week to go um, because the second and third hooked up a little bit. Okay. Uh, more style and uh, and and Carl Headley says Paul Paul Jacobs and Carl Headley got very close between them for a second and third, and you can see both of them kind of shifting and going around. I'm not going to put up any not going to put up any more twenty five to one shots. I want to make sure that I get second place. Um, and there were a couple of people further down the list throwing up. Um, a couple of people put up the sixty six to one poke who ended up drifting to one hundred and twenty five to one for the for the champion sprints. So that was chief of chiefs. So I had to back that. So I wasted 20 quid back in Chief of Chiefs on the day. And that really annoyed me. That really annoyed me having to waste 20 quid <laughs> on Chief of Chiefs just to make sure I could out and profit. And um, I haven't got over that yet, really. <laughs> 20 quid is what you haven't got. You buy two tickets for a lottery and the first one wins. And you think, 
why the hell did I waste another pound? But you see, you don't know which one of the two would have won. That's the, well, that's the you thing. know afterwards which one won, don't you? True. You know the first one won, and True. you went and bought the second one anyway. True. Yeah. Jesus. May I say, on behalf of all Final Furlong Podcast listeners, and for that matter of every reader of the Irish Field, congratulations, Roy Delarkey. I am absolutely delighted for you. And I know that all of our listeners are delighted for you as well. Hence why the memes came in. Rory the Gravy is what we're now supposed to call you. So congratulations. It's and, the, same um, curse, the same curse as the last one. No, I've no. Already people, I've already had people I don't know sending me messages and Twitter going, what the hell's happened with your naps? Oh, geez, you're oh I'm sorry. Yes. Have you, have you not had a winner for a couple of days? I'm very, very sorry. Sorry, is this the same thing that happens to Tom Siegel and to Paul Keeley yeah. and to Hugh Taylor? That... Whereas, whereas I've, been, I've been delightfully under the radar for, for, for years. Are you ain't under the this. radar no more, baby. I'm not, I'm not so much under the radar now. So people are going, you haven't a winner for a week. What the hell's wrong with you? you? You've got the final Furlong Podcast Army and the Irish Field list, have, the Irish Field readers behind up. you now. Uh, but congratulations. Rory Delargy is the Academy Award winning, Golden Globe winning, BAFTA Award winning, and the Racing Post Coral Naps Champion for 2020. Rory Delargy, congratulations. Uh, well done to you and to all of the listeners of the Final Forum Podcast and all the readers of the Irish Field. The gravy that you have made us over the season, we cannot thank you enough. Once again, a quick round of applause for Mr. Delargy. Absolutely sensational stuff. Uh, and last week on the show, a man who banged in three winners, and I believe you had a couple of places as well for Champions Day, is the inform from Sun Racing and from TalkSport 2, my colleague there as well, Mr. Tom Ball. Hi, Emmett. How is it going? I have to say I will pass on my hearty congratulations to Rory as well, because that is some achievement to win it by such a long way. It really Thank is. Tom, very kind, and I apologize for, for Mr. The Emmett's uh, uh, lengthy rant there. <laughs> It's deserved. It's embarrassing for us all. Uh, I know you feel the same way. It's just I can guarantee that if I'd been uh, if I'd been in, in hot pursuit in the second or third, I would have gone for 200, 300 to one shots just to try and get there. So because no one wants a grand and a half, do they? Nobody wants a grand and a half. They want death or glory. Also, can we get Final Four on podcast listeners to tweet our good friend Simon Clare and just say no, 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 don't. But for the love dear. Of <laughs> All right, don't do that. Simon's a good man. <laughs> Simon's an honourable man. He will pay Rory, and he will pay him in timely manner. Speaking of gravy, gravy for you. Hacked Up Horse Racing Gifts are the leading supplier of horse racing merchandise, offering a broad range of customizable gift products that can be tailor-made using your favourite racehorse colours. So if, like me, Hurricane Fly or Cause of Causes, uh, the green and gold, uh, the pink uh, silks of Rich Richie, whatever it is, they can be customised to your liking. Uh, products include mugs, cushions, socks, face masks, which of course we all got to use now, and the very popular Road to Cheltenham book. You can find out more about about everything that they have up for grabs at uh, hackedup.co.uk. It's all great value, and it's run by a real gentleman called Lloyd, um, who's based in Devon. And he didn't punch me in the face because of the Colin Tizard armadillo joke, so fair play to him for that. Uh, so to celebrate the return of jumps racing, we have teamed up with hackedup.co.uk for a competition. Up for grabs is a very generous bundle from Lloyd. It includes the Road to Cheltenham book, a mug a coaster, a face mask, a pair of socks, and you want to see these socks, we're talking about Rich Richie silks, Cotto Star silks, 
Michael O'Leary silks, whatever you want, they're all there. Uh, cushion covers, again, these are in racing style uh, silks, key rings, and a personalized money box. All of this could be yours. All you've got to do is tweet at Final Furlong Pod with the name of your favorite National Hunt horse of all time. That's all you got to do, right? So tweet me at Final Furlong Pod the name of your favorite National Hunt racehorse of all time using the hashtag FFP comp. And it's all courtesy of ourselves and hackedup.co.uk. We'll announce the winner on Thursday because surprise, surprise, I got to go to hospital on Monday and I may not be able to record on Monday or Tuesday, but we are recording a Jumps podcast special on Thursday. Paul Ferguson returns um, and his book, by the way, Final Furlong Podcast listeners, sold out his book with the FFP offer on Weatherby's. So well done, FFP Army. That's amazing for Paul. Uh, so it's the digital version that we'll be doing a promo code for on a Thursday show. And Kate Tracy is back with us as well as we look ahead to the championship division of racing for the 2020-2021 season as we're all focused on the jumps on that podcast. So it could be the one show next week. Maybe there's two. Maybe there'll be three. I don't know. But we'll announce the winner on Thursday. Hackedup.co.uk, the road to Cheltenham book, a mug of your choice, coaster, face mask, uh, which could be the hurricane fly colors, again, of your choice, pair of socks of your choice, cushion cover of your choice, key ring, and a personalized money box. All could be yours, courtesy of ourselves, and hackedup.co.uk. All you have to do to win is tweet your favorite National Hunt horse of all time to at Final Furlong Pod using the hashtag FFPComp, and we will announce the winner on Thursday's show. The very best of luck to you. Let's get to the weekend preview. We are going to talk about jumps racing, but first of all, there is the small matter of the final group one of the British season. The 255 at Doncaster, live on ITV4 and in Ireland on Virgin Media 2, because the rugby's on Virgin Media 1. So on Virgin Media 2, we get to see it. Uh, the Virtum Futurity Stakes Group 1. Uh, the last three winners have all gone on to win the 2000 Guineas the following season. Aidan O'Brien saddling two of those winners. From seven entries, I was pretty certain that I had whittled down the winner. I was pretty certain I had it figured out. Uh, he is not running. So I got to go in again. So he's going to run Dewhurst runner-up Wembley. Uh, which I think is a is an interesting one because Wembley's had a lot of starts already this season. So let's see how he fares. And he is, unsurprisingly, the favourite for the race. He will be taking on uh, Godolphin's One Ruler, King Vega for Andrew Balding and Oshin Murphy, State of Rest uh, for Joseph O'Brien. And uh, the Irish Challenge is rounded off. There's three in total. Max Sweeney is a best price 25 to 1, um, who didn't really run his race last time out, but he was interfered with in the national stakes at the Curragh. And we know that that race has worked out very well already. So, Rory DeLarge, let's talk about the going first of all. It's good to soft at Doncaster currently. Aidan O'Brien tends to have multiple runners in this race. Like When he won it with High Chaparral, he had a 1-2. Over the years, he tends to have more than one runner. How significant is it in your mind that it's just the one runner for Ballydoyle this year? What is your thoughts on the going? Uh, yeah, I'm just having a quick look at the, uh, the official um, update from Doncaster. Um, Good to soft, soft in places. Uh, and the weather forecast, according to the Doncaster Clark, um, there's been bits and pieces of rain through the week. Um, Thursday, dry with a strong breeze. Um, Friday, 50% chance of showers in some forecasts. It said Saturday, dry. Uh, dry, overcast, showers or light rain. 
um, currently forecast after racing. That seems uh, that seems to have uh, taken everything into account. Um, there's been we've had rain here where I am, not not on anywhere near Doncaster, but we we weren't um, scheduled to get any rain. I know that um, Carlisle, who raced today, watered their track midweek, but eight mils on on the basis that they were forecasting no rain. They get eight mils of rain. It's nice soft at Carlisle. Shock, horror. Has this ever happened before? Um, at least, at least Doncaster have been watering the track. Um, the going stick reading uh, was six point eight this morning, which is which is doesn't suggest it's going to be particularly testing. It suggests it's it's more like good to soft than. Uh, certainly on the straight track, I would imagine, because the straight track at, at Doncaster is one of those that's been relayed, um, and it might be softer on the on the far side of the uh, of the round course. Uh, so we're not looking desperate winter grind, but we are looking grind that will be um, will be softish, uh, which shouldn't be a massive shouldn't be a massive issue looking at the field we have here. Um, I I'm, I have to be really boring here, and I think um, you know I, I suspected that Wembley would come here and would be the main. Um, O'Brien runner in the race after his effort um, last time out. He he clearly wants a mile. He's already won over seven and a half furlongs, um, and he's done his best work late um, in both of his last two races. Uh, those being the national stakes of the Cura and then the the Dewhurst last time out, um, where he's been strong at the finish, um, and he really he's he's a dyed in the wool, um, you know, perfect runner for this race. Um, the the futurity is um, is very much kind of racing excel, and I'm not sure exactly how well. I mean, he's had plenty of racing. He should improve again next season. Again, his his um, pedigree suggests he will. Um, the number of races he's had, and the fact that he's only he's only won the one, um, would make you a little bit worried in terms of profile. But you tend to look at Aiden's horses differently to anyone else's. Um, the, the, especially with the Galileos, and they seem to just take an awful lot of racing and then improve belatedly um, for the, the amount of work and the amount of racing they get. So we no surprise to see Wembley step forward again. He's got the best form in the race anyway. Um, that's We know that Dewhurst was was by far the best two-year-old race run this season. Yep. Um, and he, was, he wasn't he was an unlucky loser, but he was drawn wider than the um, than the winner um, who was who had a, a, a pitch a couple of, um, couple of horses off the rail. He ended up coming off the rail to, to avoid the outsiders who were there uh, to make his run. But it was definitely no disadvantage to be drawn close to that rail in the first place. We saw that through the day. Um, and Wembley, I thought, ran a very, very good race um, to um, to get within three quarters of length of St. Mark's Basilica. That was turning the form around from the previous uh, uh, race of the Curra, of course. Um, but no suggestion that he's in any way gone backwards. I think the pair of them came forwards. Uh, for that run, the extra distance will definitely suit him. And I struggle to see him getting beaten on this, to be honest. I mean, you know, one ruler is the, the one who's going to challenge him in the in the betting. He was impressive enough in the, in the autumn stakes last time. The autumn stakes was a bad race. Even Iran knows. I mean, uh, relatively speaking, I should say, uh, compared to the Dewhurst, obviously on the same card. Um, uh, Aiden had uh, Van Gogh in that, who was second. I don't think he'd be anywhere near the top of the pecking order, but he was still favourite for that race, or joint favourite, um, given the field that they had. One ruler had been beaten in a listed race at Doncaster on his previous start. It was a strong listed race, um, but he was beaten in that. Um, and you've got uh, McAllen in here, who was a, a rather unlucky fourth in that. I thought one ruler very much got the run of the race uh, in the autumn stakes. There were excuses for, for the runner-up, who um, came from a, a long way back in the field. Uh, Dahabi, who was third, um, he was 
probably a little bit unlucky as well in that uh, he again um, found himself in a bad position after a couple of furlongs and McGallan who finished fourth got stuck in a pocket for two furlongs um, on the rail and couldn't go anywhere and got out very late and ran on strongly for fourth so although I wouldn't say one ruler was flattered by winning that I thought if they all got the same breaks in the race it would have been a lot closer the margins between the first second third and fourth would have been reasonably narrow uh, and for me that, that just looked a standard group three um, and the form of the Dewhurst is much stronger so you know I'm, I struggle to make a case I could half make a case for, for uh, McGallan each way but I think a lot of people noticed him in running yeah um, and of course he, he loses Frankie and gets Rab Haflin here which is you know which is not a massive negative but um, Rab Haflin's never never ridden a group one winner in his life he's been riding for John Gosling for 20 odd years uh, and still hasn't had a, a, a group one winner um, and it's not a massive positive to have him on instead of Frankie so I think he's he's going to be a bit underpriced as well for all he kind of jumped off the page uh, McSweeney would be an interesting one, wouldn't he? Now, uh, just, you're, just you're, in terms you're, of name. you're stealing my, my stealing my work there um, because I, I can't quite get away from the fact that McSweeney, first of all, comes over for Jim Bolger, secondly, beat Wembley earlier in the season and I thought was really good against Cadillac and was very unlucky in the national stakes. And look, I agree with you that the Dewhurst was the best juvenile race that we've seen so far this season. But if that's the best, then the Vincent O'Brien national stakes is the second best. And the 25 to one just looks way too tempting, particularly to put into like a, a reverse forecast with, with Wembley, which is what I will be doing, I should imagine. But in terms of his name, what was it that you wanted to say? Well, it'll be almost exactly 100 years since the uh, uh, the death of Terence McSweeney, who's been in the, in the news a lot because of that. Uh, of course, was the, the Lord Mayor of, of Cork. You'll be very familiar with the story of... of Terence or Turlock McSweeney, indeed, um, who uh, died after going on hunger strike. Uh, he was arrested on trumped up charges of sedition um, or something along those lines, and he staged a hunger strike, which which gained huge media attention around the world um, and became a massive, massive talking point. So it's very interesting that McSweeney, who who no doubt is named after. Uh, Terence McSweeney. Oh, he is. He uh, is. Would, would be would be running this weekend, which would which would be the 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 hundredth anniversary um, of his death. Well, Jim, not that I want to make a political point out of it, but it's, it's, no, no, it's, no, 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 you're not. Look, look, has to be running somewhere. Look, the past is the past, or I'm not yeah. somebody who, who who likes to dwell in the past. The past is the past. Uh, and, you know, Jim, Jim is Jim is a man a man with with uh, with nationalist tendencies, doesn't he? Very proud uh, Irishman. It, it won't be lost on him the significance of the date, um, and you would imagine that. He's not just throwing this horse out. Um, he will have, he will have planned to get him to a peak um, for the day that's in it, as it were. So he's an interesting one at a big price. Uh, he was a wee bit disappointing um, last time out. But if you take that run away, you know, a couple of his, a couple of his efforts early in the season read very well in the context of this race, um, and he'll be wearing his heart in his sleeve. Well, I, I thought I'd found the winner yesterday. Um, I thought I had found Sir Lucan. But I'm Tish. Sorry. Sorry, folks. That's a really bad joke. Uh, I don't even know where he's going to run now. Um, he's out, obviously. But Max Sweeney stands Is out. He? Yeah. Um, he's, it's not that he's out for the season, but I don't see him entered anywhere. Now, if, correct me, please, because it wouldn't be the first time that I'm wrong. Um, and uh, and if you spot him, do let us know. Final Forum Podcast listeners, please uh, tweet me and let me know the, the update on him, because I like him and I think he's got a bit bright future. But I'm just, I'm very intrigued that Jim Bolger brings over Max Sweeney. And I know that they think an awful lot of him. Um, they they didn't feel that the defeat of Cadillac was a fluke. Maybe Cadillac did a little bit too much. They were 
gutted with his performance uh, at Leopardstown back in August and um, he clearly got interfered with in the national stakes so the 25 to 1 is too big it is an each way betting race and um, we can do the reverse forecast and that's what I'll do I'll be, I'll be backing Max Weenie each way and I will be uh, doing the reverse forecast with Wembley as well um, and this should be a tricast race as well in which case I'll probably throw in one ruler I would think uh, but that's my exotic betting done for the day uh, Tumble you've heard the thoughts of Roy DeLarge, uh the lesser thoughts of me but what about you my man in top form yeah, even, even lesser thoughts of me I think State of Rest is the one, actually. Ooh. I'm very keen on him, and I think he's going to be a different proposition up to a mile. And I just can't wait to see him have a go over that trip. I mean, he's been no mug over shorter trips, and he showed when he finished third in the Champagne Stakes, when actually he really should have been second because he was shortened for room in a really crucial spot. And when he was fourth behind Chief Little Hawk in that Ballyhane Stakes over six furlongs, he's got plenty of speed. We know that. But I thought of Donny last time that he was crying out for a step up in trip. And the way he traveled and hit the ground that day immediately made me think he should have a crack at the virtuity at the same track. And I'm delighted that Joseph O'Brien has deigned to do just that. And what's more, he's booked Tom Marquand, mm-hmm. who, of course, gave them both the scene of their last wonderful success on Townmore in the St. Ledger. Um, yes, he's probably got about puts about seven or eight, possibly ten pounds to find with Wembley and a little bit more to find with one ruler as well. But I just think this step up to a mile, this mile trip will be the making of him. I mean, it's easy to see why Joseph's campaigning with an iron sprinting, to be honest, because he's out of star sparse-bangled banner. Uh, obviously, he had a, some fine form of a sprinting trips, but... Um, son of uh, State of Rest is also raced 10 furlong winners. There's no doubt in my mind he'll hit the line running. And Joseph has had fine success with overseas horses, particularly at Doncaster recently. Obviously, Pista won and uh, Pista went close, sorry, and Galileo Chrome. Uh, so I expect a massive run from this horse. And I think one ruler will need to run an awful lot better than he did when at Doncaster two starts ago in the Flying Scotsman. I mean, I think he was probably was best suited up to a mile last time out that show. It was a much improved effort from him. He clearly relished that step up to a mile. Um, Wembley has an obvious chance. But he screams out to me as being one of those nearly horses. And you have to remember his only victory to date so far came in a Roscommon Maiden at odds of one to two. And he's not the usual O'Brien superstar that we see in this, who's highly touted from a long way out. He's no Saxon warrior. He's no Camelot. He's no Kings Barnes. He's no um, High Chaparral, as you said earlier. <clears throat> so I think we're, st- you're yet- we're yet to see the best of state of rest and for me he's got a massive chance stepped up to a mile in conditions that should be absolutely perfect for him on the basis of new evidence which is a quote I love uh, I have changed my exotic bet it is now Max Sweeney state of rest and Wembley do you want a damning statistic against Wembley Tumble I'd love one horses with five or more starts to their name are zero from 18 in the last 12 years in this race I'm rubbing my stomach in glee. There's That's one. Fair. There's one for the stats fans. I, I think Wembley. I think Max Weenie wins, to be honest. But I think I think Wembley's going to take the world of beating. But I very much respect Tom's selection of state of rest, and uh, that will be the combination forecast and the combination tricast as well. Uh, this is obviously a very recognised Group One. Rory, can you just very briefly tell us how old is the version Futurity? But two years, isn't it? No, no, no. In terms of the race itself, like so, so it used to be the Racing Post Trophy. Oh, it was the it, it was the Observer Gold Cup originally. Now uh, that's a very good question. We're going back to the to the sixties with that. But I don't I don't know um, what the first um, 
Okay, so the, the reason I ask this is because Vincent O'Brien only won this race once, and Vincent O'Brien is the greatest and most innovative and most genius trainer that the world has ever seen. Aidan O'Brien is, in my view, now the leading trainer of his generation and the best trainer of his generation. Um, Vincent won this race once. If Wembley wins on Saturday, it will be Aidan O'Brien's 10th win in the race. So I just think that's somewhat significant that, you know, Aiden does things a little bit differently and um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, it's 1961. 1961. Uh, to be, to be um, and sorry, before it was the Observer Gold Cup, it was the Time Form Gold Cup and that was the Racing Post Trophy and now it's, uh, I was William Hill Futurity, um, sorry, before it was the Racing Post Trophy and then it was, and that's become the, uh, the version Futurity again, so. So there would have been a, a good few decades that Vincent could have targeted this race. But. Yeah, well, Vincent, didn't, Vincent um, largely didn't target the race. He targeted the Dewhurst. Um, and he didn't have, we didn't race the two-year-olds quite like we do these days. Mm. Uh, he would normally, his best two-year-olds would almost always be aimed at the Dewhurst, usually via the national stakes, uh, and then roughed off for the season. And he did, you know, in, in later years, he, he ran... Um, I mean, Appalachia, for example, was, well, I guess that, was, that must have been his only winner then, if, you're, if you say he had, yes. he had just the one. Uh, he was a very impressive winner of this in, in 73, but he didn't, he didn't particularly train on. I think um, the, the, it had that reputation that, that it kept throwing out um, impressive winners. It used to be run round the bend um, for a long time rather than on the straight course. Um, and it used to throw out impressive winners, and a lot of them didn't really train on from two to three. And I think Vincent was a little bit wary about, about uh, running two-year-olds um, at that stage of the season, just a little bit later um, at the end of October. Well, um, well you, like to- you've, kind of, you've kind of both alluded to this already, but just the, the final point that I'll make about it is that it's, you know, traditionally when you look at this race, you would think, all right, we've seen the Derby winner potentially, uh, like authorised, for example, or we've seen the maybe a St. Ledger winner. But... Since 2011, Camelot, Saxon Warrior, Magna Grecia, Cameco have all gone on and taken the 2,000 guineas. So it's a race that has very much transformed. And look, best of luck. I make no apologies for saying this. Best of luck to John Dance and the team. Uh, John sent out a pretty powerful tweet um, just last night where he was making the point that he's the sponsor of a group one and he can't attend. He cannot attend the race. Uh, he's rightly annoyed about that, and I, I don't I don't blame him for being annoyed about it. But look, um, we're in a situation in, in Ireland where all bookmakers are now shut down again. Um, so John's, John's tweet in full was, uh, NTF, no owners at Tier 3 courses, uh, ROA owners allowed but only one per household, TJC couldn't be more vague, uh, British Horse Racing Authority have made no comment, sponsors not allowed, to the expensive group ones that they have supported. Bookmakers, PO reps can attend the same card in green participant zones. There is racing in a nutshell. Uh, pretty much sums it up. Look, we can all complain. There are bigger things in the world. Um, all bookmakers in the Republic of Ireland are now closed. Uh, you cannot go into a betting shop in Ireland right now. And I, as an experiment, walked into one the other day and they were everyone was wearing face masks and everything was, was done properly, but it was a scant, scant, uh, crowd of people in there. So it's, it's a depressing time. And, uh, whether you like it or not, racing needs bookmakers. Um, very, very briefly, don't worry. We're coming to the jumps flat fans. I'm not deserting you, but we're coming to the jumps very, very briefly and succinctly just because these races correlate together. The airfield stakes will be run at Leopardstown. It's live on racing TV at the, 
new time of 3.39. Uh, Aidan O'Brien has a number of runners here. Carlisle Bay, uh, the Niarcos family have got Los Andes. So obviously, they've got to get a mention. Uh, San Martino for Aidan O'Brien as well. It's a small but select field. Um, Dermot Wild has a horse that looked very good on debut but then disappointed. Ger Lines has got uh, a horse for Moigler Stud, which is, which is probably another case of... Uh, Vin- of um, uh, Mr. Dermot Weld scratching his head going, huh? Uh, what's going Why are these other trainers getting these horses? Uh, but Tom, do you have any particular view on the airfield stakes? I actually think this is one of the more interesting races of the whole weekend. And I think it's very difficult to work out because plenty of these are kind of of the same sort of ability. Um, I was quite taken by Carlisle Bay on debut at Tipperary. He just kept on finding and plenty of times. I thought he was going to get swallowed up. But in classic kind of Aidan O'Brien horse, uh, just kept finding and from the front. Um, but it's worth remarking on that the second horse that day was 400 to 1. Mm. Um, so I think that form could be slightly suspect and the, and the third horse is 40 to 1 um, so it, it could be read into it that you know maybe that form isn't the strongest but there's no taking away from him because this season Aidan O'Brien horses who win first time up deserve respect wherever they go because not many have done that and uh, Carlisle Bay was ridden by Michael Hussey that day went off 7 to 1 so I'm not sure actually he, no, a massive amount was expected of him so Carlisle Bay definitely deserves some respect but actually I was most taken by Lilops last time out for Jesse Harrington at Navin. I thought the way that that horse travelled into the race and put the race to bed from the front was really quite impressive. And it wasn't a weak maiden at all. So I think Lilaps, who's obviously improved from start to start, and that was by far his career best last time out, over a mile, stepping up from seven, should be well suited by another step up to one mile, one further on this time. And I'd say Lilaps is possibly the one to beat here. The only concern for me is that Shane Furley... Shane Foley gets off that and goes on Los Andes, but um, hopefully it won't mean too much. And uh, the other one I quite like is Rev de Vol. He's got some very good form in better races than this one. I mean, that's third behind Cadillac at Leperstown. The Champions Juvenile was a really good performance in the context of this race. I could see him running really well under Colin Keane. And on ratings, he looks, you know, arguably the one they got to catch. But I think Lilaps, that performance last time out at Navin in soft ground, which is going to get again over one mile one, he should really be suited up by the step up and trip. Um, he looks the one to me, and I love the way he travelled and put the race to bed so hopefully he can improve again and um, he looks the one for me in this could be a one-two for Jess Garrington here with, with Lelaps because I, I know that um, they really like Los Andes and, and I'm not just saying that because he's by Caracontai out of a lemon drop kid mayor and is owned by the Niarcos family. I, I know they hold him in high regard and were disappointed with him last time out, but we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I, like you, hold Carlisle Bay in very high respect and kind of it goes back to the Vertum Futurity stakes in Wembley and how Aidan O'Brien stresses how these Galileos continue to improve. So for this, the stats boys who will be saying, well, he can't win because he's had that many races, these Galileos thrive. So let's not lose too much heart. Um, Rory, briefly for you. Yeah, that's a difficult race to bet in because... Um, there are a lot of these with similar sort of ability and you're looking for something that's going to step forward. Uh, one who definitely will step forward is Wakud. Um, although the question is whether it might be next season um, when he improves. He's, he's, got the, um, he's got the pedigree to thrive at three. It was a tough ask moving straight into a, a group two on his second start. Um, and he was he's behind a couple of these in the Beresford Stakes last time out, but you know he was he was quite free uh, close to the front there um, and didn't get home in that race. And I think he's probably worth another try. Um, 
you wouldn't want to do the same thing again over over a mile and a furlong. But I think he's a better horse than he showed there, um, and hopefully that would have taught him an awful lot, and he would have he would have chances. Yeah, um, in a way, Carlisle Bay stands out because he's a well-bred um, uh, O'Brien horse stepping up to group company after a maiden win, and that's that's often um, a, a sign. But as Tom said, the actual form of his his maiden is pretty poor mm. uh, it's, a, it's a very ordinary event actually, actually kind of expected of a mile and a furlong maiden but the fact that he started off in a mile and a furlong he, he, they know he's going to stay um, and he wouldn't have been entirely wound up for that so he'll improve a fair bit um, and if he didn't think he was ready for a step up to, to this class then he wouldn't be doing it um, so you respect him purely on that um, but yeah I, I find it a difficult um, race to punt in you could if you wanted to be very clever about it back flying visit to lay him back and running he's a horse who is probably a little bit of a monkey um, and he's been runner up three times um, yep. since winning his maiden tends to travel very strongly in his race and not really put it to bed um, but if he's going to do that again then you're liable to uh, to be able to trade out of him he's going to go off at a reasonable price he could trade short and running he only ran a couple of days ago at my native track of Goran Park and on yeah. uh, heavy ground. But it would be ridiculous of me to talk up Sir Lucan, who I have looked it up since and cannot find an entry for. So there you go. Lord Lucan and Sir Lucan, where are you? Um, but flying visit would, by, would be my selection. But I would have it with the same idea as you to trade out uh, in running if, if possible. But maybe, maybe just let it ride. Um, it's a fascinating race and interesting to get your insights there. Uh, very, 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 very briefly, and I mean real super brief. Briefly, I'd be super disappointed if Lipizzaner couldn't win the Doncaster listed race, the 145 over six furlongs. Am I bonkers there, Tom? So bonkers, Tom's not even going to answer. Tom's just gone. He's lost his mind. He's talking away. He's on mute. He'll find out in about two minutes. Sorry, yeah, sorry, I, sorry I, I completely lost you there. I didn't hear what you said. I said, have I lost my mind with Lipizzaner? Quite possibly. Yeah, yes. there we go. That, 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 that sums that one up. Uh, Rory? Uh, that's, now, this is because this is it's left field. Because you haven't told us you're looking at that race and then you bring it up randomly. Yeah, sorry about that. Tom's like, what the hell is he talking about? Yeah. A minute there, so I, I didn't hear a clue what you said. This, this was this was not on the running order. I just I spotted Lipizzaner running. And I went, wait, what? Um, over six furlongs. I just I'd be I'd be I'd be disappointed if he couldn't win it, Rory. Uh, well, yes, you might well be disappointed. Um, yeah, he's, listen, he's got every chance on paper, but I'm not. You know, he's he's it's easy enough to bring him over there because you're bringing horses over for the other race as well. So it's not maybe as significant as it looks at the time. Uh, I'd like to see Just Frank win. He's the horse who won the um, won the sales race at Newmarket last time out. Absolutely um, tore a half-decent field. I know obviously it's a big field with um, a wide range of abilities, but Just Frank ran them into the ground um, at, a, at a fair price. Won by four and a half lengths at a 27 runner race um, on soft ground at Newmarket. I'd like to see him back that up because it'd be nice for someone like Les Air um, to have a, um, a, a group sprinting prospect for next season. Okay, so keep that horse in mind. Uh, a race that I did honestly add to the final Furlong podcast running order for Thursday's recording is the 220 version, very different stockbrokers handicap. Uh, it is a class two. This will be a 220 again live on ITV4 and Virgin Media 2 in Ireland. Important to say because we do actually get to see it, but it's not on the normal regular Virgin Media 1. It's Virgin Media 2 where you'll see it. Uh, I quite like Winthorpe here. Sorry, John, but I do. Uh, Mighty Spirit. So John Dance is here as an owner 
there as well. Uh, with Richard, well, I don't know if he can go, but Richard Fahey and Megan Nichols in the saddle. They are both best price nine to two. It's a very tightly contested market. Uh, came from the dark as five to one. Tumble your thoughts on the very the Vertum very different stockbrokers handicap. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a pretty tricky one, this one. The top kind of three and four in the betting have, have got very similar claims here. I can see where you're coming with Thor with Renthorpe. Uh, that one ran nicely at Nottingham last time. The only thing about him is that he's up five pounds to the highest mark he's ever raced off, which I think could be a bit of an issue here. Um, so I'm going to go with Mighty Spirit for Megan Nichols and John Dance. It'd be nice to, for him to get a winner, as we've been saying earlier. Um, that was a really good performance, I thought, for Mighty Spirit last time out at York, uh, finishing second of 20 behind Musica, who bounced back to form and has good form on his day. So that was by by no means a bad run at all. Beat nine, beat eighteen other rivals, I should say, that day. So for me, Mighty Spirit, if running to that level again, um, really should be the one to beat here. It's running off the same mark, and that's got to be a good thing. So I think Mighty Spirit, if producing the best that horse can offer, uh, it definitely has conditions to suit. And I can see her going very very close here for Richard Fahey indeed. And I think it came from dark is the biggest danger um that one was a good uh, good winner two start to go at haydock but didn't quite have anything go his own way last time at york but that was over six furlongs and i think he's probably an out and out five furlong horse but again that one's up to 100 now and i think winning this off 100 he's gonna have to be near enough you know listed group three class really to win this so i think mighty spirit's got everything in her favor and provided she comes on again because she's improved the last three starts towards the end of the season she's always got good form at the end of her seasons october seems october's a month that suits her well so i think mighty Spirit is one to beat here, but you can give a chance to all, th- all the front three in the market. And apart from those, I don't think it's a particularly strong race, to be honest. Um, Orvar, I don't think it's, I think it needs probably faster ground. Mm-hmm. Ishvara and Venturis need to bounce back to best form. And apart from that, I can't see any of those getting into it. So for me, it's between Mighty Spirit, Came from the Dark, and Renthor, but I think Mighty Spirit is probably just the one to be with. Okay, Rory? Uh, came from the dark for me. Uh, you know I'm a fan of the horse anyway. Yep. Uh, his his only poor runs have come at York, and the market did not want to know about him last time out. He opened up favourites. He went off at 33 to one on Betfair, uh, 34 to one in actual fact on Betfair. He had the worst of the draw, and he never got vaguely competitive over uh, a trip that probably stretches him anyway, six furlongs, uh, and a track that that doesn't play to his strengths. Doncaster will. Um, he could do with I mean I, I like the ground to be softer than, than it is but if it's if it's genuinely good to soft soft in places that would be fine um, uh, a well run five furlongs uh, with a slight uphill finish will be perfect for him uh, and Tom says Tom's absolutely right you know for, to be winning this of a mark of 100 he'd need to be a, a listed or a group 3 horse I think he's a group 2 horse um, and uh, I've, I've said that all along um, having watched his his three year old form, he's he's had his uh, his setbacks, um, but Ed Walker does think that he's um, he's probably a pattern class horse, and I I concur with that. Um, clearly, he needs a certain set of conditions, um, but he's going to be an even better horse next year again. But I think conditions are fine for him now. Um, I, it was a fairly punishing race at Haydock on his, on his penultimate start. The form is very strong, but most of the horses that came out of that fairly quickly all recoiled from it and ran poorly, including him. He's had a fortnight to get over that now, and I think he will bounce back to form. And the final flat race that we're going to talk about, and again, we have a lot of flat fans, so this is no disrespect to you, but the jumps fans are going, where is Cheltenham? Why are we not talking about Cheltenham? It's coming. The last race that we're going to talk about in the flat is at Newbury. It's the one mile four, 
Parva Steaks. Yeah, registered as the St. Simon's, Simon's Steaks, if I could use my mouth words correctly. There is a reason that steroids are being injected into my vocal cords. Uh, group three, uh, so let's just call it the St. Simon's Steaks, as Rory says. Uh, I was quite interested in Away He Goes, but disappointed to see that he has halved in price. So, uh, Rory Delargy, take it away. Who do you think is going to win the group three, 10 past four at Newbury? Uh, a tough little contest this in which I will take a chance on natural history who has got it to, we've got it to find on the ratings he's been running in handicaps uh, was a winner on heavy ground last time at Goodwood off mark of 91 the interesting thing for me is he's taken a little time to, to find his best form again because he's off the track for two years um, after finishing second at Haydock in 2018 um, Andrew Balding's won this race twice in the last um, 10 years or so both both times at biggish prices with horses who've been running in handicaps. Um, and in fairness, you know, uh, both of those, I think, had a try in either listed or group company first. Uh, but this was a breakthrough for them at group level. And Andrew Baldy knows exactly uh, when to do that with, uh, uh, with a horse who handle the conditions. And often the, the St. Simon is run on heavy ground and it does suit a certain kind of horse. So sometimes you throw the... Um, the form book out of the window, you want to be wary of horses who've had long seasons, you want to be wary of class horses who don't really want the ground, and you're looking for a horse who's just hitting stride at the right time, and natural history fits the bill. Uh, only made his comeback uh, last month, has won both his races this season, um, both on soft ground, uh, last time at he- on heavy at Goodwood, um, and he now, he now steps into a uh, group three, uh, probably a weak group three, um, but that will suit him, and I think he'll run a very good race. Tumble. I'd certainly agree that this is a weak group three for sure. Um, plenty of these are kind of looking to rediscover some form and I can definitely see Natural History running a big race. I was quite impressed with the way that he won at Goodwood last time. I thought Sheen Murphy gave him one of the actually one of the best rides of the entire season that day. It was very, very kind of under-remarked upon, but it really should be looked at again because it was a, a brilliant, waiting, patient ride. I will go with Litigator in this. I'm quite keen on this horse. Um, this horse who's been running in France uh, for most of his career, but has his, had his first start for Roger Varian last time at Newmarket in the Group 3 Darley Stakes over one mile, one furlong, a distance that is not suitable for him whatsoever. He needs much further than that. He needs a mile and a half really, which of course, of course he will get here. I thought it was a really nice performance actually uh, probably needed the run and um, four and a half lengths beaten that day by um, by Lady Wannabe and went off 50 to 1 so clearly wasn't expected to do anything that day um, but I thought it was a nice opening run and stepping up to one mile four now it should be absolutely ideal for this horse um, so I can see him going very close indeed conditions will be absolutely fine for him because the softer the ground the better he's got some very good form in heavy and very soft ground when in trained in France um, so I expect conditions to be right up his street and he's got a pretty big engine actually and I think Roger Barron's going to get more out of him and rating suggests he's only got a touch of improvement to mix it with the market principles of which I, I agree with Roy I think this is a particularly strong group three at all and I'd be inclined to suggest that he is the one to beat if coming on for that run over this longer trip you can Glenn there was no fluke about that last time he is a very good horse on his day from the front if given an easy lead but I think a penalty makes things really tough for him mm. um, now, now tackling this kind of opposition despite the fact that it's not the strongest group three in the world but I think that extra weight will tell and Alunak has just really struggled since that good second in the hard work and he's likely to be too short price and over bet again he's, he's that kind of horse but that run at Windsor last time out when he was sent off Frave it was so bad I think he needs a watching brief now so for me Litigator looks definitely the one here I can see Varen improving him once again. 
Uh, Roger Varian, as you say, second start for Roger Varian. Currently best priced with John Egan booked to ride 11 to 2, has, ha- has been hammered from 12s. So people are, are on to it. Uh, let's get to the jumps, shall we? Jumps chat begins. Woo! Here we go. The jumps returns, and it returns at Jumps HQ. We might not have a crowd, but hey, it's back, and we can watch it, and we can watch it from the comfort of our own home and just embrace it. We'll start with the, uh, let's let's go for the 350, shall we? Let's go for the 3 mile one handicap chase, because there's a few of our old favorites in here. We've got Corgi. We got Man of the Mountain. I should say that they're both six to one. Frodon is back for Paul Nichols and Briny Frost Sevens. West Approach, uh, the, mo- the highly, the more highly talented brother, <coughs> fifteen to two. Cloth Cap, uh, ten to one. Rory Delargy, Captain Chaos is in there as well. Good old Captain Chaos. Uh, I just love seeing these names back, and I'm very, very much looking forward to seeing Cheltenham back in action. Uh, officially, the going is good. As we record on Thursday, your thoughts on the 350 at Cheltenham, my man? Um, yeah, plenty of very familiar faces here, um, although some of them are a little superannuated uh, these days. Cogri uh, seems to come back with his race every year, um, and he's 11 now. He's a funny-looking horse, Cogri. I always, always love seeing him in the, in the parade ring. He looks like he would have been an absolutely top class if he made his legs the right length. Um, but they didn't sadly um, it just yeah he's, he's missing about three inches off his legs um, he's, he's the opposite of Coney Green I think Coney Green might have actually got the uh, uh, got the extra inches that uh, Cogley should have had his legs um, but bless him he's he's developed a good record here um, he used to have a terrible record at Cheltenham including when diving at the first fence and, and uh, losing his rider but when ridden by one of the Twiston Davis boys uh, there only is one Tristan Davis boy who can ride him these days. His record at Cheltenham is pretty good, but he is 11 now. He's not exactly fallen down the weights. He's he's um, still very close to a career high mark. Um, and a few, as I said, a few of these have been here before. West Approach um, uh, one of the track last season, but he's had about he's had the best part of 20 goals at Cheltenham. Uh, he may well end up with the record of the horse who's run most times at the track. Um, the way he's he's campaigned, but um, he's a hard horse to win with. And he, looked like he was just beginning to lose um, his edge at the end of last season. Um, he's become fairly well handicapped, but I wouldn't be backing him in a hurry. Frodon is a course and distance winner, but doesn't really want the trip. He was nursed home by Bryony um, in the um, the Cotswold Chase a couple of years ago. Mm. Uh, he wasn't quite at his best last season, but um, with Paul Nichols in, in incredible form to start the season, I can see him bouncing back. But the one I want to be with um, here, there, there are one or two interesting ones um, down the ways. But I thought cloth camp was very interesting. Oh, we're of same same mindset. I just think the fact that Trevor Hemmings is leaving the game, but he's kept this one for a little bit, must be some way significant. But but you know more than me. Talk well, to me. Been, you know this. Uh, you need a horse who stays a bit further than this. Generally speaking, it's you know it's it, it's it's three miles and one. Um, but generally speaking, it's 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 run at a at a strong pace. It comes early in the season, so it puts a real emphasis on fitness and stamina uh, and you usually want a horse who will stay a, a bit further than that and, and in fairness most of these fit the bill um, and Cloth Cab is very much one he was third in the Scottish National all his runs last year were in soft or heavy going I don't think he wants it mm. I think he wants you know a fairly sound surface uh, and I'm saying that he wasn't he wasn't disgraced but I thought he should have been a big improver last season and although he sort of maintained the form that he showed uh, when placed at air um, he didn't really build on it. He was runner-up um, at uh, Doncaster when he treated twenty-five to one on and running 
Um, he ran a very good race in um, uh, what was the uh, and it wasn't it wasn't the SGP, was it? It was a bit of a it was a race over the same course and distance at the November meeting um, at Ascot. Um, when again he traded short in running and, and didn't quite um, uh, finish as strongly as it looked like he would, uh, and he finished the season with, with a respectable eighth in the Kim Muir. Um, again, all those runs on either soft or heavy. I just think he is a better horse um, when the mud isn't flying. I'm not suggesting he needs a good to firm, but it was good to firm when he ran in the, in the Scottish National. Um, maybe they thought he got a bit jarred up that day and they wanted to, to run him an easier ground. But his wins um, the season before both came on good grounds, and um, you know he, he'd been he'd been generally racing good, good to soft ground through his career before that. Um, and I think he will prove a better horse this season away from the um, the really deep stuff. He's two pounds wrong with the weight, so that's not a massive not a massive issue. He started last season one pound lower. Um, and he's still lightly raced at the age of eight. I think he will improve this season. John Joe's doing better now than he has been uh, for a little while. You know, there've been times where you struggle to back John Joe's horses at at some of the big meetings because the, his strength rate is is um, uh, is struggling. And although yeah, his strength rate is ordinary at the moment, he's got a lot of horses who've been finishing second. Um, so the horse is generally running well. Whereas I come into this meeting before, and John Joe's, you know, not from sixty over the last four weeks before the meeting, and you wonder what's going on. Um, but they're they're in fine form at the moment. Um, having John Joe Junior there um, riding a lot of them as well is I don't think is any problem um, for the yard as a as an extra focus. And as I said, I think Cloth Cap looks on a decent weight. He's got you know he left ten stone, uh, Richie McLaren on board, and I just think there's a little bit more to come from him. But he's also experienced enough that um, you're not worried about about that aspect of it. Whereas I want to say Man on the Mountain, who's who's potentially well handicapped as well, if one three years. He doesn't have a huge amount of experience, certainly not in, in, in big fields or at big tracks, you know, having run at uh, Newton Abbott, Southall, Taunton and, and Bangor and his chases so far, you'd be a little bit concerned uh, about how he would cope with Cheltenham, although connections have been very good with him, they've, they've made sure that they've brought him on gradually uh, and he's a promising sort. Central Anno should do better as well over fences uh, this season, but most of her form over fences is at two and a half miles, even though she stayed three over hurdles. Um, and I prefer to have something in this race that's proven beyond three miles over fences. But she still uh, appeals as being, you know, you know, she's only just touched off in a Grade Two hurdle, for example, um, and she won a listed chase last year. So to get in here with bottom weight uh, means that she's fairly treated for Noel Williams, um, Paddy Brennan um, doing the riding there. So she's of interest as well. Um, but I would still almost certainly stick with Cloth Cap um, uh, based on on that assessment. We'll find out more about your final assessment on, in the Irish field on, on Saturday, so make sure you're watching it for Rory's Twitter. But right now, Rory DeGravy and me are in agreement. Let's go! Let's go, Clough Cap! Tom Bull, don't spoil the party. Join in. The cap fits. Come on. <laughs> well, no, I think you're absolutely. I think you're absolutely bang on. That horse could have plenty more to come. Um, I, I, the one thing for me about this race is I find it fascinating that Paul Nichols has decided to run Frodon here, um, because I think I don't really know why he's not running on Sunday in the Old Roan because he's run there half mm. twice. And yes, he'd be top weight in that as well, but the weight differential wouldn't be quite as extreme. And I think that race is a little bit easier for him over two and a half miles as opposed to three miles one at Cheltenham on this first start back. Um, I don't know if either of you got an opinion on that, but it just seems a bit odd to me. 
I think I think they think that Frodon is a real Cheltenham horse. So I'd kind of agree with you in terms of of, um, of the question he's being asked on the trip. Um, that injury might be uh, the old role might be a little bit better, and as a limited handicap, of course, as well. So the weight range is uh, is not as extreme. Um, but I think they think Frodon just loves Cheltenham, and they'd rather they'd rather give him a go here. He didn't he didn't seem to massively enjoy himself in early starts last season and. Uh, they clearly want to, to run about a track that he really enjoys, uh, even though it's a, it's a stiff task on paper. I thought it was interesting because Frodon won the race in 2018 at entry. So you know, it's clearly something they could have done. But there was, wasn't there the bit of the farce last year? Wasn't there a lot of controversy about his, his finishing last they, year? That they missed, they missed fences out, didn't they, last year? Yeah, and there was the um, low the sun and all that. And, and so maybe they just don't want to repeat of that nonsense. Maybe they just want to... Well, yeah, we, again, yeah, at this meeting, we've had, we've had that on, on a couple of occasions, uh, either at this or the next entry meeting, where you end up jumping nothing in the straight. And that, that annoyed connections last year because, you know, they said... All he does is jump. So to take the fences away was just was just removing um, any edges he might have had. Um, so it would be ironic if we end up missing fence side at Cheltenham on Saturday. Ooh. Okay, so it, is, is Frodon going to be your selection, Tom? No, he's not. That's a really good point, Emma. I, to be honest, I'd, I'd forgotten about that fences issue last year. Um, but no, he's not my selection. I think it's a mammoth task for him, you know, running off 11-12 and West Approach's nearest rival in the weights is 10-9. I think that's just too much. Over three miles, one following. I mean, let's remember that in the past, Frodon has been, it's always been a question mark over Frodon getting that kind of three mile plus distance. Mm. Yes, he has done it. But, I've, you know, people usually think he's a kind of out and out two and a half, extended two and a half miler. And I think that is his best distance at Cheltenham despite the fact he is proven ever slightly further. So I think on his return, I just think this is too big an ask for him, giving so much weight away. Um, the one that I really like in this race is um, the Emma Lavelle horse, Man of the Mountain, just because I was impressed with the way that it travelled last time out at um, Banger on D. I thought it was a really nice performance that day. Um, and he's obviously very consistent. He keeps winning, um, keeps going up weight, but he keeps doing it enough. And I thought that performance last time out, after a really long time off the track last month, was really quite impressive and he's only up seven pounds and I think he could be well better than that in time and he clearly jumps he jumps extremely well and so for a horse who's never run, run at Chelton before I think that's going to stand him instead so I think Man of the Mountain despite going up in the weights again another eight pounds definitely isn't handicapped out of things just yet and I think he's got a really strong chance here well because a lot of these horses aren't proven yet this term yes some of them go for fresh but some of them quite clearly don't I'd be worried about Captain Chaos who ran this race last season and was pulled up and the um, same goes for Bob Marley, who was also pulled up in this race last year. And so you really want a horse who's kind of either proven or you know he's going to go run well first time up. And Man of the Mountain definitely is that. And uh, I can see him rising up the ranks and winning this and then going on to better things, actually. So hopefully Man of the Mountain for me in this. Here's a free plug for our friends at the Racing Post um, after Rory's gentle dig earlier on. Uh, you can still get this through the, the digital app. which So I subscribe to their website and the than the newspaper, but as I've said before, all newspaper content that I read is on my iPad or on the computer, one or the, one or the other. Uh, on the Tuesday 6th of October, Peter Thomas did a feature with Henrietta Knight and Emma Lavelle on the secrets of schooling grounds, and it's a fascinating piece, and it's still available. It's in the archive, so if, if you've got access to the Racing Post digital 
archive and, and their Racing Post digital uh, features, then check it out. From Tuesday, 6th of October, uh, Peter Thomas chatting to Henry Knight and Emma Lavelle all about schooling horses. It is a fascinating, fascinating read, and her horses are currently running 50% to form, but it's all about cloth cap. Cloth cap, baby. Uh, comes along and does it. We're talking about jumps. Talking about jumps racing, folks. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a big feature about the jumps in the Irish field at the weekend. I'm guess. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm putting that question to you very late, but I'm assuming that the Irish field will be doing uh, a lot about jumps return on on the weekend, Rory. Uh, I don't. Other than what I'm doing, I don't, I don't know exactly what the uh, what the plan is there. So if you'd, uh, I might have had a might have had a, an ask around about that, but yeah, I'd imagine there'll be there'll be a fair degree of coverage. Yeah. Okay, if you're looking for value, you're not going to get much better than the Irish Field, and of course, Rory will be writing for them. Simon Rowlands as well, by the way. Um, so check out the Irish Field at the weekend. They'll have loads of great content, I am sure. Um, but let's see if we can handle things for you. Uh, the 205, the Madison Holdings Hurdle Class 2. We got the four-year-olds, or as Patrick Mullins calls them, and uh, his good friend Davy Russell, the Dirty Flat Rats. Uh, all Mankind was a big, big hype horse last season. Uh, he ran fine in the Triumph Hurdle. Five to two currently is the best price about him. Botox has. None of the three of us have had Botox, honestly. Five to one. It's too late for me anyway. I've got a face for radio, so what's the point? Uh, Strathagam for Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden. We'll learn more about Paul's horses um, through our good friend Harry Durham soon. Five to one. Uh, Norando for Neil King and Bryony Frost. Nines. And, uh, and then it's double figure prices about the rest. Tom? four-year-old hurdlers what's your thoughts yeah this is a really interesting contest um i have a feeling all mankind will not be able to tear off in front like a scalded cat the way that he did last season this season as he's going to be up against stronger horses who have more time to develop and mature and he will need to have more left at the end of his contest he had a tendency last year to race very keenly but to harry skelton's credit he managed to keep his energy relatively intact in in the Triumph Hurdle, excuse me. And effectively, his limitations were exposed by a couple of better horses, and he actually would have ended up being fourth had Goshen stood up. Mm. Dan Skelton spoke about it in the season, said sometimes four-year-olds don't train on, and they will have to see on the race course whether he has or not, which is fair enough to say that, but it's not a particularly ringing enforcement because obviously he's not showing an awful lot at home. So I think the Triumph Hurdle took a fair bit out of him as well, and for a three-year-old, that can have a lasting impact, a race of that nature, and he looked very tired at the end of it. I wouldn't be necessarily convinced now he'll return as good as he was last season. Now, when he and Botox Haas faced off last season, they raced off level weights, and it was all mankind who had too much of him. But for me, it's Botox Haas this time who has me a lot more interested. Last year was the opening touches to this year, if you will. Mm. And Gary Moore said after his victory at Cheltenham in the Triumph trial, we see him as a horse for the future. And in the end, of that, in the end that ended up being his last run of the season. Now, the form of that contest hasn't worked that, that great with Langadan and Elise in flame, not exactly burning up the racing world. But he did win by five lengths and was quite impressive. And I think he's a horse who will come on a ton this season. And in receipt of four pounds from all mankind this time, he is definitely the one to beat for me. Now, we don't know a lot about Stratagem other than his demolition job at Kelso, when all he had to do was turn up to beat some pretty inferior horses. And I'd be more concerned about his defeat at Banger on a stable time debut the time before that. But he did beat Solo in France. We all know how good Solo is, but he needs to prove he can do it on British shores. And I'd take a watching booth as him until we know more about him. Of the others, 
Anna Bunina definitely not out of it for Richard Johnson. She gets loads of weight. And I thought the Pinken ran a really big race in handicap company at Chepstow last time out. But I think it really is for, for Botox has to lose here. I think he's a very exciting animal. Gary Moore absolutely loves him. And getting four pounds from both Stratagem and All Mankind could just see him come on top. Is anybody concerned about Gary Moore's stable form? Sometimes we overreact to these things, but he's had 34 runners and one winner in the last two weeks. And his runner, runners to form, that's so 29%. But Rory, is that something that concerns you right now? Yeah, 29% is not particularly respectable um, okay. in, that, in that regard. I'm not sure if that includes yet. He had a winner yesterday, didn't he? Yes, he did. Um, but I, yeah, I, would be, I would be concerned about the stable form a little bit. Um, but the fact that he's, you know, I'd be more concerned with Gary when he was running the horses at, at Plumpton and Fontwell regarding stable form. When he runs over the big tracks, if he takes them to Ascot or he takes them to Cheltenham, they're usually um, forward and ready, and um, uh, and you can expect them to run their races. Uh, yeah, bad boy to pull to was a winner at uh, at Fontwell. Uh, but again, he had other runners um, at that same meeting. Obviously, he always was mob handed there, so he had a winner, and the rest of his horses were beaten. Um, uh, the be- the best of them was beaten thirteen lengths. Uh, others beaten thirty eight, thirty nine and a half, forty nine, sixty one. Mm. Um, etc. I'm, I'm including the, the pulled up in there. Distingo, who was reasonably fancied in some quarters as well. So I'd be a little bit worried about the form. Um, this uh, this one might be um, uh, one I would take out of the equation, though. And that the fact he's bringing him straight to Cheltenham. I thought he, I thought they got the tactics wrong when he was beaten here um, by all mankind because they held him up that day. Uh, and he travelled very well through the race, but you know, as it was, they kind of expected all mankind to fall in a hole, and he didn't. That he was very well ridden that day, uh, and he was able to um, uh, to find it a little bit more. But I think uh, if they go head to head in receipt of weight, I would fancy Botox has to beat all mankind again. Um, and I, again, I, you won't get. I don't think Zurichin will run. I think he ran. He ran today. He finished second in a listed hurdle at Old Toy today, so he's not going to be turning up on the. Uh, uh, on the day at uh, Cheltenham, I li- I've always liked the Pinkin. The Pinkin's horse, I thought, uh, had a future over hurdles, and he ran his best race by some way when second at Chepstow the other day. So he comes here fit. Um, I don't know how well he handled Cheltenham. His jumping wasn't great early on over hurdles, um, but he was pretty good last time. What he wants is a really strong pace. You know, he's looked. He he can be a little bit free, um, and his form last season was was um, steady without being spectacular. Um, but he definitely took a step forward in his reappearance, and a really strong pace here will suit him. He wears a hood to you know to um, uh, to stop him racing too freely, but they're bound to go fast in this race, and that will suit him. And I can see him um, hitting the frame at a price. Unfortunately, you're only going to get two places here, um, but he could easily. He could, I think he could run through them and run very well. And uh, you shouldn't rely on Nordano either, of course, who, who was a um, uh, winner of a of a handicap at Ascot of a mark of 127, which was which was lenient, but he won that by a by a, a long way in the end. And his form tied in. He'd been second to to Goshen on his previous start, so he ties in there as well. Should go forward this season. But um, uh, Botox Ass is the one they have to beat on paper, and I can see the Pinkin outrunning his odds. But I'm not quite sure where I'm going to go um, betting wise with that yet. Okay, so keep an eye on Rory's Twitter for for confirmation. And um, you'll find out more about uh, Rory. Your Twitter handle again? Helensar at Helensar. H e l y n s a r. And if you're not following Rory, he's not only one of the most insightful, but he's also just very witty as well on Twitter. Some of the stuff he tweets is just genius. And uh, oh, right, right now, as as things stand, 
uh, the three of us are all on Botox house. So there you go. That's why I was asking about the slight concern about the form of the Gary Moore yard. Um, but hopefully him bringing him straight to Cheltenham is a good sign. Um, I was really keen on the 240 uh, because I was very interested to see Grand Salsi back, but he's out. And um, they're going to go with Southfield Stone instead. It's his first run after a wind operation for Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden. And no surprise that he heads the betting uh, along with... Um, Pillion, Pylon, whatever, Philip Hobbs for um, Richard Johnson. Uh, this is the 240 Novices Chase. Uh, and not that Fusi uh, for Dan Skelton as well. So it's kind of fallen apart. It's not an each way betting race of any kind. So, Tom, briefly, your thoughts on the 240 at Cheltenham? Yeah, it really has fallen apart, hasn't it? It's just a bit disappointing to see any four runners in it. But I think everyone should pile on Pylon or Pillion, to be honest. Because, um, it, look, I know that Philip Hobbs regarded last season, whatever he did then was an extra. And this is the season that he's going to really come to his own over fences. And I think it's great that they're sending him straight over fences because Philip Hobbs said in the stable tour that he might tackle the handicap hurdle first and then seven over fences. But he's going straight there because there's no doubt having finished second in the Martin Pipe last season, he's still quite lightly raced. He would have been definite good chance in a decent handicap hurdle. So the fact he's going straight over fences is a big plus for me. He gets weight from the other three. And I know that Hobbs has always thought a lot of him. So hopefully, if he provided he jumps well on day, which I'm sure he will do, this looks a great opportunity for him. As I say, you know, he probably should have won the Martin Pipe. I think he was quite unlucky that Indefatigable, Indefatigable, I should say, snuck up on his inside. And strictly speaking on official ratings, getting six pounds from the others, he should be winning this if he jumps well. Um, Southfield Stone is not one of Paul Nichols' leading lights, I think it's fair to say, although of course he might improve this season. He couldn't take advantage of a former master Tommy Tucker at Kempton last season in the Pendle. Who dares wins beaten that day? Uh, a horse who previously had been beaten at long odds on at Plumpton. I'm not convinced about that form. Yes, Who dares wins is a fine horse, but he's actually more of a flat horse. And you've got to remember, Southfield Stone has now had five starts in Chase Company, and only once has he managed to win. And he's definitely had some other winnable opportunities in small field races. So I wouldn't be inclined to go diving in with Southfield Stone, even though this is another small field contest. And not that Fuis is a bigger danger than Southfield Stone for me. I thought he was quite impressed for Perth, but that race totally fell apart. Carol's Milan finished second, who's definitely got limitations. And Redford Road quite nearly needed the run badly. Um, and poor old, obviously, poor old Saglawi was fatally injured. So it wasn't much of a race in the end. And I think giving weight to Pylon could be too big an ask. And actually, for me, the biggest danger of all to pile on is the outsider of the field cool Cody Ooh. and I don't really know why he's such a big price um, he'll go from the front he stays further than this which always helps in this kind of race at the beginning of the season against youngsters who might not be quite as accomplished over fences as cool Cody is um, he stays further he got some good form this season he's got fitness on his side which is another big help and at the ratings he's certainly not without a chance and um, I think he was if he was trained by someone slightly more fashionable I know Evan Williams has got, obviously got plenty of, plenty of um supporters but he's no Dan Skelton or Paul Nichols or Philip Hobbs so I think Cool Cody definitely has stronger claims than his price would suggest but for me pile on for the win and I have already added him to my lucky 31 for the weekend so Rory DeLarge what are your thoughts briefly on this race that has completely fallen apart but I am going to follow in Tom Bull by piling on pile on good for you I have no, no uh, interest in the race whatsoever in which case we will move on to the 315 the old course where the Pretemps Network Handicap Hurdle as part of the Pretemps Hurdle Series Qualifier will take place uh, let's see what genius can finish uh, a clever Sixth here, shall we? 
<clears throat> anyway, uh, the betting currently very open. Uh, Robbie Power, who is now going to be based in the UK, of course, and uh, I'd love to talk to him about that. Uh, hopefully, we'll get the chance to. Uh, so Neville's Cross for Robbie Power and Tom Lacey, seven to one. I'd better go now. Dan Skelton and Harry Skelton, the brothers teaming up again, eight to one. To be fair, uh, is seventeen to two. Uh, Finnick for Philip Hobbs and Richard uh, Johnson is tens, and Locks Corner for John Joe Neal, JP, and Richie McLernan is tens. Um, Rory, is this a race? This should be a race that takes your interest because it's a handicap. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, this race does indeed uh, tickle my fancy. Um, is it still first six or is it first five now? I think... Let me check that for you. Let they me... keep changing, you see. They do. It was for it was first six. I, mean, I was going to check the conditions to see, uh, to see if it mentioned it. Um, but anyway, uh, it's... I used to always get these races wrong. I, was, I always looked for horses who needed to win to qualify for the pretemps, and it's a waste of bleeding time. Uh, you want something that comes from a yard that actually want to win the race, uh, more importantly. And um, there's, a, there's a standout, I think, in this race, oh. with a tremendous chance. There is, there is a blindly obvious one who's going to run a, going on a race because he always does and that's To Be Fair who won the race last year and is yeah. three pounds higher but with a five pound claimer on board he's again going to run going to run um, uh, with his heart on his sleeve um, he um, he didn't go down the uh, the retention route last year he ran in the cleave hurdle and then he ran in the stairs hurdle finishing fourth and sixth in them uh, to show that he's only just behind the very best horses around uh, he will again run well off of one five two, but the horse beneath him in the weights, Honest Vic, um, is at first class looks a bit of a standout to me. Much improved horse last season uh, when he won a handicap hurdles at Market Raisin and Kempton. Um, he also finished a fourth in a, a sponsored race um, on Bedford Chase Day, uh, where the two mile two trip was too short for him, or two mile three. I should say, uh, and then ran an absolute stormer at the Cheltenham Festival um, when he was uh, the first honestly campaign horse to finish in the Coral Cup. <laughs> um, it's and, funny because uh, it's true. <laughs> uh, he, ran, he ran very, very well to, to be a fifth um, in the Coral Cup. That was pretty much a career best effort. Um, you're always looking for plots. And that, of course, last year was an absolute farce because Nicky Henderson went through the handicap appeals process to insist on getting some weight of a horse who was already a so bonking certainty anyway. Dame de compagnon. Ruined, ruined Vanessa Ryle's life. <laughs> The, uh, sorry, the, the abuse. Look, abuse uh, on Twitter, all right? The the amount of people that Nick Luck and I and Vanessa Ryle have blocked over the years is just ridiculous. But the Vanessa does that for free, right? She just does it to be part of it. She gets no financial benefit from it whatsoever. And the bully boys came for her. It was just pathetic it really was and she, and, and she was right that, and that, she was right the point is there's, you're not asked whether you think the horse is thrown in or not you ask whether the handicapping uh, procedure has been carried out correctly the bottom line is the BHA handicapper knew that this horse was almost certainly well in and tried to take retrospective action by, by shoving it up for its run earlier in the season um, and the logic of putting it up didn't make any sense in the grand scheme of things, and that was what the the panel were asked. You know, does this horse is it, it does it justify this being the only horse to go up in the weights from this race, given how it's worked out? And the answer was not really. But they knew it was well in, 
and it was a, an act of the highest shithousery that they went and and appealed that. Most hot trainers, even if they feel their horses are, are badly done to, will just will just not bother with the appeals process. They'll go, well, I just have a moan about it in the paper and then leave it at that. But no, they actually went and had the horses handicap mark amended retrospectively, and then it uh, it bolted up as if it had a stone and a half in hand on the day, and it was. The V's all round to everybody. <laughs> Could have won the Mare's Hurdle. She was brilliant. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Honest Vic uh, didn't uh, get many headlines for finishing sixth length, fifth in that race, but it was a tremendous performance. What's most exciting about Honest Vic, A, he goes very well fresh. He won after uh, after a longish break at Market Raisin that mm-hmm. season. But most important, he wants three miles. He's never raced over three miles. He's been screaming out for over two years. Gets it for the first time here. You could be very cynical and say, ah, but he doesn't need to win. He just needs to finish in the first five or six to qualify for the final. Henry Dilley's not that kind of trainer. No, he's not, no. No, which is why you generally don't want to back Henry Dilley's horses. But in this situation, it's why you do want to back Henry Dilley's horses um, because he campaigns them openly and Honest Vic will be trying for his life in this race. Um, and Honest Vic, with Richard Patrick claiming three off him again, um, is perfectly well treated having gone up a massive I think it's about two pounds hasn't he one pound got up one pound for that run at the Cheltenham Festival uh, when half the field uh, were handicapped plots um, that's that's um, that's very fair and Richard Patrick's um, definitely definitely worth his uh, three pound claim so he looks thrown into me um you know, you wouldn't say it's not like he's hiding his light under a bushel, but he's he's full value for it. He's proven that he handles the track very well. He's always running on at the end of his races. He used to be a little bit of a monkey a couple of seasons ago, but he looked thoroughly straightforward last season. Um, and he will step forward again. I think that's, that's a very wise thing for Henry Dilly to do, not to to up him to three miles straight away, but running over over two and a half through last season, knowing that there should be more improvement to come as he steps up and trip this time around. Champagne Court's quite interesting and it goes well fresh. He's had a, uh, a wind operation, but he's not certain to stay. He hasn't um, raced over further than two mile five. And unlike Honest Vic, uh, he doesn't seem to be crying out for it. And also, you don't really want to be back in horses who've had wind surgery trying the longest trip they've ever tried before either. That's a little bit of a concern. But he's interesting enough on paper. Um, uh, Kingy's Horse, The Devil's Drop, is, is uh, another one by Court Cave, uh, who's been off the track for, for a couple of years. Um, but is liable to be fit for this and could run well as well. But the more I look at it, the more I think 11-1 is a very fair, well, 10 stone 12 um, is a very fair weight for Honest Vic, um, giving, obviously, giving no more than than, um, uh, than 10 or 12 pounds away to inferior horses below him and capable of beating, to be fair, in receipt of a stone as well. Well, nine pounds when you include the jockey's claims. Um, yeah, he just, he just um, jumps off the page to me. Um, and I'd be very surprised if he's not absolutely ready for this as well. And I'd also be very surprised if Henry Gilly's instructions to, to Richard Patrick are try to run on for third or fourth. Okay. Uh, if you win, if you can. A couple of updates for you. His price ranges anywhere from 12 to 8. Here's where the complication kicks in. There are some bookmakers who are paying a quarter of the odds first four. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there are others, though, who are paying a fifth of the odds first six or first five. So... Pay your money, take your choice. Uh, and yeah, with the old uh, Betfair Edge as well, each way, uh, yes. you can take, 
you can take uh, less places. Do you, just just because we have a lot of new listeners, do you want to explain that for that this is on their sports book? Yeah, most of, it's a pain in the ass actually. Sometimes that the firms go different different um, place terms on races, uh, particularly if you're trying to recommend them, and then people are, are delighted they've they've landed an each way bet, and other people say, "Oh, I, I didn't get paid out my each way bet." Um, but yeah, it's um, it's difficult to find parity across the uh, the firms. But one thing that Betfair does is whatever place terms they give, and they might be uh, quarter of the odds five places here, for example. I'm not sure what they have, not looking at it. But if they are five places as a standard, you can um, you could go to back at each way, and it will tell you you've got one edge available, and that will allow you to reduce the number of places um, by one place, and that will increase the win odds. So if they're offering five places, you can take four places, and if it's ten to one, you'll get eleven to one or twelve to one. And I find that's often very good value, um, particularly as you, you're often, if you think you, particularly when I see a horse that is going to shorten in price, and I see this is twenty to one, and I think well that'll be a ten to one shot, and I can get it at that twenty five to one with one less place. Strictly speaking, the the place terms won't look value at the time, but when the price levels out and it ends up being a 10 or 12 to 1 shot the place part of that bet is value anyway or at least it's neutral and then the win part of it is very good value okay so that's again sage advice from Roy Delargy uh, Tumble you've been waiting patiently in the wings for the 315 the Pretemps Network Handicap Hurdle the series qualifier uh, we're all over Honest Vic what about you oh, the words waiting patiently fill me with dread um, I I have to say, I agree wholeheartedly with Rory, and Honest Vic looks a really big player for me. Um, Sorry, gentlemen, I have business to do. Keep going. (laughs) Yeah, he's my big fancy in this, and I think he's got a massive chance, basically, for all the reasons that Rory's already said. He won on his return last year, obviously goes well fresh. That fifth in the Coral Cup was an amazing performance, I thought, and the handicapper is asleep raising him only one pound. I mean, that is mad. And I think he's got so much stamina in his pedigree. I think the step up to three miles is going to be such a big source of improvement for him. He was very sparingly campaigned last season as well, as he has been throughout his career. So he's liable to improve quite a lot. And I see no reason why off his current mark, he won't be capable of making a serious mark in handicap company, particularly a handicap such as this one. I mean, he was leading after the second last in the Coral Cup before getting slightly outpaced. So I think a step up in trip should help him massively. And if he's ready to go, as he should be, as he won on return last year and I think he's got a massive effort in him um, look this is this is this is a very really competitive really exciting I was very taken by Neville's cross both at Utoxta and at Hereford last time out yes he won by 20 lengths but the way that he travels in his races and he's got a huge amount of stamina he's yet to really show what he can do on softer ground than good and good to firm which is a slight concern Robbie Power is a really interesting booking here. And I think even off a £12 higher mark than that run at Hereford last time, he could still be nicely handicapped for Tom Lacey, who only runs his horses in races that he's absolutely certain they're either going to win or get placed. So I think Neville's Cross has got a very big chance too, as has I'd Better Go Now, who was a really nice winner at Perth last time. You never know with these horses that have been winning and winning again, whether they're going to be too well handicapped. But I think both in the case of I'd Better Go Now and in the case of Neville's Cross, particularly Neville Cross, they're going to both have more to come. But I think Honest Vic is the most well handicapped of the lot and I think it will be a really good horse to get the to lower his colours and I'd be surprised if he doesn't win this 
I was on mute, sorry, because I was going placing bets. <laughs> Shamelessly say that. Uh, Richard Patrick is claiming three. Henry Daly's horses are running to 75% form right now. Um, that is most definitely respectable. And uh, all three of us are on. I'm following in Tom and Rory blind. Let's go. Let's go. This is all about Honest Vic, who runs an honest race and gets us the gravy granules on Saturday. The final race that we're going to talk about is a jumps race, and it's on Sunday. It's the Monet's Garden Old Roan Limited Handicap Chase. Uh, Janika is towards the top of the weights. Um, Magic Saint is in there as well. All your old favorites basically are here. Uh, Tumble, you can take it away. York Hill, by the way. York Hill has his first run for Sandy Thompson, and York Hill was given away by the gentleman that is Graham Wiley. Uh, he was given to uh, the captain of his golf club, Mr. Armstrong, and is co-owned now by Lee Westwood as well. So I would love to see York Hill bounce back to his glory days. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what Sandy Thompson can do with him. Um, he's 10 now, and um, he's he's looking he's looking fresh. He's looking good. So, uh, yeah, spoke with Graham not so long ago. Um, he wants to take a break from the game, but it's nice that York Hill is still going. Anyway, that aside, who wins? Tumble. Yeah, just first, I would really agree with you, actually, about York Hill there. It's really good to see him in training still. And I have to say, Sandy Thompson is one of the shrewdest trainers up north. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if he does manage to eke out something something a little extra from York Hill and manages to kind of abate his keenness, because obviously that's been the thing that's been troubling him throughout most of his career. But Sandy Thompson does know what he's doing, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if York Hill, possibly not in the old Roan chase, but later in the season, produces a big run at some stage. However, I couldn't possibly be with, with him what he does. <laughs> Um, in the uh, it's near history. We're not that nuts. So, yeah, I'm passing over him. And I will go back to the Frodon thing we were talking about earlier and the fact that possibly the reason that Paul Nichols has running Frodon in that race at Cheltenham is because he knows Magic Saint is going to win the old Roan chase, uh. which I think is going to happen. Now, Magic Saint does not produce any sort of his best at Cheltenham. He's run there three times, two of which were last season. has run badly each time. And Newbury and Wincanton wins um, flanking on the side of the road. To me, that he's got a serious engine on less taxing, flatter tracks. So I think it's really interesting that he's running at Aintree. And I also think it's very interesting that Paul Nichols relies on him in this race when he has a number of other suspects who could be ideally placed to win this too. And obviously, Nichols has got a good record in this contest. So I think... Magic Saint definitely appeals to me. He's a fine jumper. Uh, he looks very well handicapped still off 154. I'm sure he's got plenty more to come, given the right circumstances, because he's not had those on many of his outings. And I just don't think Chelton suits him. With Harry Cobden up top, Magic Saint does make a lot of appeal here. And I think he'll be ready and raring to go. We've seen how fine and fine fettle that Paul Nichols' horses are in at the moment. So for me, Magic Saint plays, makes plenty of appeal. And it's quite nice to see Janica heading the weights, because I don't think Janica's possibly are good enough to be called a 162 performer but the fact mm. he is one means he's heading the weights at 1110 which means that magic saying gets in nicely off 112 and i think that could be a big a big um, boost to his chance and i can see him going very very close indeed 70% runners to re- runners to form record currently for paul nichols who has won this race twice in the last 5 years and i'm currently seeing prices of 7 to 1 about magic saint so that's meaning that my bet becomes a lucky 63 right now unless rory delargy is going to really talk me out of this because Tom has persuaded me very strongly here. The thing with Magic Saint is that he'll, he'll end up being a two-miler. Um, but yeah, he, he's going to be forward for this, I suppose, given how well the, the Nichols horses are running. 
um, and you'd respect him. I, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to tip up Janika for this, but I will say that it's harsh to say he's not a 162 horse because he actually won a handicap chase at 162 last season. So um, we know he, he's exactly a 162 horse. Um, he won the um, uh, the Halton Gold Cup last year, but he just didn't go on from that. It may well be that he's trying to catch uh, Janika fresh um, because he hasn't really seen things out uh, in previous seasons. Um, I, I, I suggest he might just be best right-handed as well, but maybe freshness is the uh, uh, is the key with him because he was he was never better than when uh, when winning the Halton Gold Cup last season, um, and he ran a stormer on his his debut. Uh, for Nicky Henderson at Ascot as well, having joined the yard from from Guy Charel. So, just whether he was just banging his head against the brick wall in Grade One company um, after his um, his handicap win last season. At least he's back down there. So there are reasons to expect him to bounce back. Of course, we don't have decks for this, so there are a lot in here who are not necessarily going to run. And I don't know whether Janika is actually an intended runner because there's no jockey. Uh, booked up from obviously Donald Jacob would be would be the obvious man mm-hmm. um, given he's retained there but his name is not next to him in my race card so maybe he's not intended Itchy Feet was the one that seemed most obvious to me to be honest okay um, uh, he, he looked very impressive winning the Silly Isles uh, at Sandown last season a uh, race as well with, well with watching again because it looked a pretty strong race on paper and he tanked through that he wasn't asked for his effort until very late in the day he, he sat at the back of the field um, and um, I think a few people were looking at Lorena, who was the favourite for the race, and she hit every, pretty much every fence on the way around. It looked horrific. Um, but he sort of sat with her and crept his way into the race, and then sprinted away on the run into midnight shadow, three and a half lengths, um, with uh, Champion Platinum um, fifteen lengths away in, in third. Um, the race kind of was set up from a little bit, but he's very, very unexposed, and he was strongly fancied um, for the. Um, the marshals is chased at the festival, and he got brought down early in the race. So, um, you know, there's, there's, um, there should be plenty more to come from him. Um, his mark is fair on what he's done. He's only a six-year-old, so there should be improvement as well. And getting in here with eleven stone two, um, you'd say he's got a touch of class. But I, I don't want to touch the race until I see, you know, what kind of field we have and who he's up against. Um, and you could, I mean, Midnight Shadow could end up being quite a big price here as well. Um, who was second? Um, to him at Sandown and gets weird off him today. He, he'll have on Sunday rather. He's um, he's rated one four nine, so he's five pound better off for that defeat. Um, and he might just go under the radar a little bit as well. So I'll keep an eye on him. Okay, um, Roy Delargy, what is your best bet of the weekend for Final Furlong Podcast listeners? Uh, that is a fine question, sir. A fine question. Why, thank I think, you. What I'll do at this at this stage, I think he'll end up being punted off the boards. It might get to the stage where he's unbackable for me on Friday when I write my Irish field piece up. But um, uh, the the good thing in the pretense qualifier. Go on, honest pick. Go on, honest pick. Um, yeah, and yeah, and you have me excited saying his price range from eights to twelves. It doesn't, does it? You can I, what I'm looking at. What what? So yeah, I'll take a bite. I'll take a bite. Who, um, I'm, who I'm allowed bet with? I can see who you've backed it with, as they've taken the price down. Yes, the twelve. <laughs> yeah, Thanks, if you Rory. can get if you can get the twelves or the nines. Thanks, Roy. Thanks for that. Him, <laughs> that would be my idea of the of the the nap of the weekend at this stage. I don't think we'll get that value on the day. I think he will be a strong favourite. So okay. if you listen to this later on on Thursday, then take the prize while you can about him. And I think that's what I'll try to do um, with the um, with the Jumps podcast tonight on. You know, get the um, 
uh, get the early value before it goes. Yes, and it, worth bearing in mind that, look, things didn't go to plan last week. You could have cashed out. Uh, I let it ride. Tom tipped the winner in Yord, but Rory's nap of the day alternative fact was backed, and I didn't see anybody else tip this horse. I'm talking about the likes of Tumble. I'm talking about the likes of Tom Siegel, Paul Keeley, Hugh Taylor, and he was backed from 20s to 16s to 12s to 10s. So Rory Delargy moves markets, which means that Honest Vic is probably going to be very, very well backed. In that case, keep an eye on Rory's Twitter and uh, keep an eye on Rory's Irish field column for what he eventually decides will be his actual nap. Right now, we'll say this is his next best, but uh, you'll learn more in his Irish field column at the weekend. That's probably the fairest way of putting it. Yeah. Tom Bull, your best bet of the weekend, yeah, my friend. I, yeah, absolutely. I'm just going quickly back. Just one thing I want to say. Um, I, I, I'm. He's probably going to laugh at me for this, but I, I genuinely think that you can win a you can win a race off a mark. So, for example, Janica won the uh, win that uh, Halden Gold Cup off one six two. I think you can win a race off a mark of say one six two and not be a horse that's capable usually of winning off that mark and actually isn't a one six two horse. But the fact that the Holden Gold Cup that you won was a very weak contest with horses who possibly definitely, well, in my opinion, definitely weren't running up to their marks made Janica win the race by default almost. So I think just going back to that, that the fact that he's not performed recently since then off any kind of higher marks than that. And before that, he'd been beaten quite a few times off lower marks. Just to me that he still, to me, has to prove he's off a mark of 162. So that's my reasoning behind it. My best bet for the weekend is some chaos in the 233 at Kelso. Um, he's had two runs to get him ready for this. He's one pound lower than winning at Kelso last season. He's one from one at the track. He loves conditions, will be fitter than most of these. And I thought he ran pretty well at Chepstow last time behind a handicap lot. So for me, some chaos has got everything in his favour in the 233 at Kelso, and he'd be my best bet of the weekend. Some chaos to be caused by Tom Bull. <laughs> On Saturday, for Final Furlong Podcast listeners, uh, completely from left field. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. It's been uh, a huge amount of fun. It's been great fun to mix flat talk with Jumps Chat. Uh, I'm really looking forward to talking about the Breeders' Cup um, and, and talking about some Australian racing as well, particularly the Melbourne Cup. But uh, I'll be blatantly honest about it. You know, I love the flat season. It's great. And I, I'm really really pleased that um the support that we've had from from our incredible listeners but also the guests that we've had on the show and hopefully that will continue um but i can't wait for the jump season and i cannot wait for saturday to see what well, we get to see it on friday but just to sit back and, and watch cheltenham and as we celebrate the return of cheltenham uh once again uh, may i mention our competition courtesy of ourselves and hackedup.co.uk so hacked up horse racing gifts are the leading supplier of horse racing merchandise they offer a broad range of customizable gift products that can be tailor-made using your favorite racehorse colors uh, they include mugs cushions socks the socks look so cool you have no idea it like if you are strutting around wearing rich richie socks you're going to look like a boss uh face masks there's one in the hurricane fly silks which uh, i desperately want and the popular road to cheltenham book as well uh there's so much more there and the website is so easy to navigate lloyd's done a brilliant job with it it's all his own work and it's his own site and uh, i wish him well uh, I, I like it when good things happen to good people so the website is hackedup.co.uk 
and uh, we're giving away a bundle to celebrate the return of Jumpster Racing. The bundle includes the Road to Cheltenham book, a mug, coaster, face mask, pair of socks, cushion cover, key ring. They will all be in various different horse racing silks. I'm sure that Lloyd will let you choose the uh, silks that you want yourself, so the, the horse racing colors that you want yourself, and a personalized money box. All of those could be yours. Uh, you can find out more at hackedup.co.uk about all the merchandise that they have available. They've got a wide range of stuff. But in order to win that bundle, the only thing that you have to do is tweet at Final Furlong Pod with the name of your favorite national on tours of all time. So if we were to do a Blue Peter on this, I would tweet at Final Furlong Pod, my favorite national on tours of all time is Hurricane Fly. And then Rory Delarkey would name me as the winner and there would be a complete and total blow up and controversy. Uh, but we won't do that. So name your favorite race, your favorite national on tours of all time. That's all you got to do using the hashtag FFP comp and courtesy of ourselves and hackedup.co.uk. We'll tweet a link about this as well. Uh, we will announce the winner on Thursday's show because I cannot guarantee that I'll be recording on Monday or Tuesday when I'm getting steroids injected into my vocal cords and going for an MRI. But um, they're a great site. Uh, Lloyd's a lovely guy. He's one of the good ones. And um, if you love your horse racing merchandise, then make sure you check out hackedup.co.uk. It's a great competition. We're not asking you a question. We're just going for nostalgia. Your favorite national hunt horse of all time. Tweet at Final Furlong Pod using the hashtag FFP comp with that horse's name and we'll announce the winner. Kate Tracy will announce the winner, in fact, on Thursday. Uh, pop quiz, hot shots. Roy Delargy, your favorite national hunt horse of all time is probably your Twitter handle. You reckon? Uh, Arkel was quite good. He was all right, yeah. Arkel yeah. was, was decent. Uh, Tom Ball, your favourite jumps horse of all time? Horse called The Last Fling. Ran oh, wow. the Grand National a couple of times. Yeah, I used to love that horse. He, he was so dour and he stayed forever. He tried to start out and unfortunately he met a sad end, but he was a beautiful horse, Trevor Hemmings. Oh, well done. I like, I like it when it's not just a high-profile horse. That's, that's really cool. But anyway, to win the bundle, uh, tweet at Final Furlong Pod, the name of your favorite national hunt horse of all time, and use the hashtag FFPComp. So at Final Furlong Pod, my favorite national hunt horse of all time is Tiger Roll, insert whatever you want to say. Uh, use the hashtag FFPComp, and courtesy of ourselves and hackedup.co.uk, you could win that bundle of gravy goods. And uh, hopefully we'll be landing a lot of gravy i'm already doing the now lucky 63 thanks to tumble's last minute selection tip uh, that's it we are done uh, max sweeney's my nap of the weekend by the way he's just too big a price so there you go for what it's worth um maybe i can add a saint mark's basilica to it i'll just dine off that forever uh that's it thanks so much for listening uh, we might be back on monday or tuesday but if not we are definitely back on thursday with paul ferguson and kate tracy for a full jumps special jumps chat only all of the time, all jumps chat, all through the podcast. We'll be talking about the championship divisions uh, for the 2020-2021 season. And I hope that you very much enjoy that. Share us on social media. Uh, like us on social media, uh, haters in private if you need to, and uh, you can listen to the show on all podcast apps. Rory Delargy, your column is available in the Irish field. Uh, it's gold. Check it out. Thank you once again, my friend. My pleasure. And take care. Uh, Tom Bull, where can we see your stuff over the weekend? 
Uh, yeah, Sana, as usual, have a nice pull out the favourite, um, which is full of great info with the jump season just starting. So make sure you get your hands on that. And are you on TalkSport 2 over the weekend? Uh, probably not this weekend, actually, no, but I will be on on Friday. So make sure you listen out for the cards on Friday afternoon. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Looking forward to that. And um, yeah, we're back with you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Hopefully there's plenty of gravy and uh, appreciate the kind words on social media. We'll chat to you soon. God bless. Your cousin's talking about the new lottery app. Huh. You can pick your numbers by just shaking your phone now, apparently. And maybe then you think, well, if someone's going to win it, why not me? Shake, pick and play with the new app. The National Lottery. It could be you. Play responsibly. Play for fun. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.